What's happening, you fuckers? Thanks for coming to the show. Uh, I hope everybody's doing all right. Before we get started, sponsored by AgorasNexus.com. Go check out the all listings portion of the page. You can see things like Weed Reader, uh, Canner Grow, uh, McAfee Dex, Empirical Solutions presents AO Blockchain Presale, and, of course, Gutter Cleaning Perth. Uh, Gerhard Custom Knives is pretty rad. And, of course, I like this one, Liberty Under Attack Publications Author Services. So if you're looking to publish your own book, you want to take the Michael Malice approach and avoid the big publishers and get your word out. Even if you sell 500 copies, 100 copies, you can publish a book. So check them out. And, of course, you can find us truly on there and our friends like Jeremiah Harding and, of course, Sal the Agorist. And you can check out the Green Market Agorist as well. That's agorasnexus.com. Check out our sponsor, Wonderful Place. Uh, wonderful people that run it specifically. Brandon, wonderful guy. It's an excellent uh, resource for all of you anarchists and agorists that want to get into the mix. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a rough week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, specifically, Angel's going to talk to us about something that's really interesting. Um, I don't want to give any introduction away, Angel, so I'll please take it away. Tell us what, what it is and how and what's the application thereof that you're talking about. So um, a while back, I had read into um, character disturbances of people in regards to manipulation tactics and uh, things along those lines. And I came across a author called Dr. George Simon, and he is a Ph.D. and he specifically has dealt with different personality types throughout the years. And he has noticed a growing trend in more what he calls a character disturbed person. So those types of people really just are out for themselves, like really don't care about anybody else. No guilt will do anything, you know, Um, and there's a lot of people in our society that are like that and it's becoming more and more prevalent. So I think that's why in government um, and and like police, you know, institutions and things like that, uh, religious institutions you see people who kind of abuse their authority. And most of these people are part of these character disturbed people. And um, they have what you would call a covert aggressive personality. So um, there's a difference between assertion, like assertion and aggression. And some people kind of get those confused where they're like, oh, he's really aggressive. You know, he maybe you have a goal or, you know, somebody that has a goal and they're very aggressive in achieving that goal. But there's a difference between being assertive and aggressive. And sometimes people use that interchangeably. Okay. So like assertive behavior, an example of assertive behavior would be fair fighting without putting the other person at a disadvantage. Fighting for a legitimate purpose or fighting for a disciplined, uh, self-imposed limits and and it's designed to prevent undue harm to another. Always nonviolent and fighting constructively with the goal of improving a situation for all concerned. People who have like an aggressive type of behavior, an aggressive type of personality, seek an unfair advantage in attempting to victimize another person fighting for a self-serving and possible immoral purpose, fighting without limits or poor limits on what you're willing to say and or do, and they are sometimes violent. 
They uh, fight in a destructive manner, in a manner that destroys opportunities to improve a situation for all concerned. Um, and many of these uh, people, you know, they, they work as police officers. So that's mm -hmm. why you see these violent behaviors. And many of these people work in government. So that's why there's a lot of uh, behind the scenes, you know, shifty, shady shit going on. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. What's the author's name again? Dr. George Simon. Okay. And we'll put that in the uh, show notes. So do you think that, is this once again a case of people who are predisposed to have these character disturbed traits to seek out positions of authority and power in order to exploit people? Or do you think it's kind of like an Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader thing that you don't know that you're predisposed, but if you even if you go in with the, with the best of intentions... Either the surroundings or the work itself is what changes you into a character-disturbed individual? No, you you know. Okay. Like are, Then are there also, like, in a separate category, like the Anakin Skywalker type, like, they're, but it takes the character-disturbed persons to kind of take them in and mentor them? Yeah. So, I mean, these people who are considered a character-disturbed person um, are able to manipulate very well they they just because they don't think and feel the same way you or i would mm -hmm. yeah they don't get emotionally attached to anything so they're willing to go to lengths others maybe wouldn't go for results and they, they don't see anything morally wrong with it because they're not equipped to yeah well like they have this mentality where they there's only a few different options they win and you lose you lose and they lose you win and they lose or like whatever outcome it is like they just want to win mm. and th that's how they view the world like they care more about winning than anything else right and so there is no um to them there is no win-win situation somebody has to lose and it's not going to be them a zero-sum game yeah so they're able to manipulate other people very easily into doing things that they probably ordinarily wouldn't do but like they, they use these abusive tactics to break the person down to constantly keep them in a certain state where they're in a state of confusion second guessing um and kind of always thinking what was that other person's intention by doing x y or z or maybe this person meant to do this or maybe this person meant to do that yeah if they get you to question everything about everybody you'll never find them because you'll be too worried about everybody else yeah that's exactly the point so like they kind of look to go into these different institutions so that they can gain power over people because it's very easy for them to do that okay that's a that's very interesting um did you have you found in your experience that this that reading this literature has actually helped you not only identify but perhaps respond appropriately to individuals who behave who are character disturbed according to i mean that's the phrase that the uh, the author uses correct yeah so i mean i personally have changed the way that i react to things when i'm around somebody that's you know a covert aggressive person mm-hmm um, I just disengage because engaging them kind of like, it's like more fuel to the fire. Right. Yeah. It's, it's still energy. Yeah. And 
also you have to constantly try to correct them on their behavior and the way that they're like talking to you or how they're treating you. You know, you you have to be like, wait a minute, that's not what I'm talking about. I asked you about this because sometimes they'll like try to divert your attention and talk about other things. So like yeah. you have to really focus on the issue at hand. It's the wrench in the gears, the right. disturbance of the train of thought. Right. And like it's, you know, if somebody's behaving a certain way and they've always behaved a certain way, mm -hmm. they're probably going to continue to behave a certain way. Yeah. So past behaviors are indicative of future behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see any other way around it. So you just have to prepare yourself like when you come into contact with people like this. Isn't that kind of the thing, the same thing with all these stupid girls that are out there that like take back these idiots that they're with? Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, he's changed. No, he promised. And it's like, you're a dopey bitch. Why would you ever trust anything that these people tell you? But then the more time that goes on, it's like the more inclined they are to believe because it's more time for change just in case the person did. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just amazing how easy people allow themselves to be manipulated by the most, you know, disgusting human beings on the planet. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like I mean, I've <laughs> I mean, I've dealt with my fair share and cool. I'm sure like that's just always going to be a part of life, but you'll get better at dealing with it as yeah. time goes on, like easier to weed them out earlier. But Yep that just forces them to get more creative and it's like they use techniques that you're not familiar with. You got to belt up and then you got to yeah. kick your ass around a little bit at first. But it's like, once you get familiar with where you're at, learn the new rules of whatever level you're on, basically mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's video game logic. Like it is video game logic. That's a very good point. And the other thing too, is like, you know, like recognizing the patterns of behavior, just like you would a boss in a video game, recognize yeah. the attack patterns and all that. Yeah. And I think that uh, what Angel brought forward is is very relevant. Not yeah, of course we go first to the government angle because I, well, it's the easiest one to make. It's low hanging fruit. It's so easy. You're right, and we fucking hate them. So well, like I know. mean, I was you know any it, position where someone has power, though. Yeah, I mean, so like they use like some of these like tactics, and like for an example, um, you know, they. I'm trying to find it here. It's in my notes. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, do you mind if I say something while you're no, looking? Go ahead. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's like kind of it's like what kind of power do they want to have over what group too? Because it's like, I mean, yeah, you have people that play in government, but it's like if someone's sole desire is to just fuck old people over, then they could go work in a nursing home and rise into management there. And I mean, if people wanted to go after kids, it's like they could join they could be a teacher or a priest or anything right. like that. So it's like literally what is your end goal and then what is the easiest path to it? Like the least amount of energy with like the most outreach. So it's the most efficient process possible so it's like these people are real problem solvers and if they fucking wanted to like go to the moon or something they'd be great at that but instead they're like yeah they're like oh i want to do terrible things but it's like they probably don't even see it as terrible they're just like oh this is what i want to do and they're like they're gonna go do it so some people are probably innately like that and it's like oh shit that's fucked up and we can't like tribalism it's like hey what the fuck we can't have you doing that because it's like we can't coexist with that mm -hmm. kind of behavior no no it's impossible well and, go ahead yeah. oh I was just, and then there's like 
on top of that, there are people that it's like they do know better and then still choose to do this and they're like, ah, fuck everything. And it's like yeah, the sociopath they... versus psychopath kind of thing, I, I believe. Because psychopaths seem, what, they're more impulsive and unable to really be in the driver's seat. But sociopaths, it's like they're completely aware of everything and they're just like, I'm still going to do this and feel yeah. nothing about it. They're mm -hmm. like sociopaths are also impulsive too. Um, a lot of these like covert aggressive people are very impulsive. You know, okay. um, they, they have, they, a could, lot of, they don't want to miss an opportunity kind of thing. Or well, they, like... that, and they want instant gratification. They'll sacrifice today for tomorrow. They don't care. Like mm. they want what <laughs> they want at all costs and it does not matter to them. You know? Gollum. Yeah. Like, and I yeah, mean, good, good, good one. I like that. It's so like the police, Yeah. you know, when they abuse a person mm -hmm. yeah, when, on live TV, or yeah. whatever. Like. Yeah. They use this like tactic called rationalization, right? And so that tactic is described as it's an excuse an aggressor makes for an engaging in what they know is inappropriate or harmful behavior. It can be an effective tactic, especially when the explanation or justification the aggressor offers makes just enough sense that any reasonable, conscientious person is likely to fall for it. It's a so, powerful tactic because it not only serves to remove any internal resistance that the aggressor might have about doing what they want to do, quieting any qualms of conscience that they might have, but to also keep others off their back. If the aggressor can convince you that they're justified in doing whatever they're doing, then they are freer to pursue their goals without interference. People that have an answer for everything, an excuse for everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's what happens with the police all the time. Oh, yeah. 100%. It'd be almost better if they were just like, eh, I don't know why well, I did that or why that happened. Because <laughs> it's like if they could perfectly rationalize it, it's all premeditated. Right. But their excuse is I'm going home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always, yeah, it's the us or them, like, whatever, like. And, I mean, it's. I'm going home to go beat my wife. Yeah, literally, <laughs> like, 40% of the time at least. Oh, reported. Yeah, exactly. So it's higher. They also use another tactic called covert intimidation. Um, aggressively, aggressors frequently threaten their victims to keep them anxious, apprehensive, and in a one-down position. They are adept at countering arguments um, with such passion and intensity that they effectively throw their opponents on the defense. Covert aggressive personalities primarily intimidate their victims by veiled, subtle, indirect, or implied threats. This way, they throw others on the defensive without appearing overtly hostile or intimidating. Cops mm -hmm. do that shit all the time. Yeah. yeah that's posturing. You got to talk to me. Otherwise, you know, you got to cooperate. Otherwise, here's these, all these lists of threats that we're going to give you. I'm going to throw and them. They have the gear to back it up, too. Like, Of course. And then they have their, their courts, which you know, free and independent courts. That's hilarious. Okay. And I just think it's, like, important to remember that, you know, because people get caught up in the whole argument of well you don't know the other side of the story mm -hmm. oh, right you're and it's true i don't but it's like do i care right <laughs> like, but then you're seeing the video and there's no sounds so you don't know what happened you don't know and everybody on twitter is like oh what was the context or like how right. oh what, what happened 30 right. seconds before I, this i need like, context to this brutal beating by the fucking <laughs> like regardless of what of happened it's right. clearly very one-sided, and they could just stop and apprehend the person. Instead, they're pounding their face into the fucking yeah. pavement. Yeah. Like, or then it's not about what's right 
or justice. It's mm -hmm. literally just, I can do this to you. And right. here is me showing you that I can do it. And there's nothing yeah. you can do to stop me. What about the pregnant lady that they pitted her car and flipped her over? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck, that's right. Yeah, oh, he man, literally I... couldn't wait 10 more seconds. Like, it nope. was like, oh my the God. Fucking, the fucking bootlickers that came out in that thread on fucking oh, that Twitter. Was, yeah, they're like, they're both wrong, but she should be a better driver or something. And it's yeah. like, dog, go, they like, did go exactly. fuck yourself, you fucking piece of dog shit. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I, well, that's I, like the thing. It's interesting. I saw because it's like, all right, what if it wasn't a cop that did it? What if anybody else did that to the woman and the outcome was the same? You'd be fucking crucifying them right now. Right. So, and rightfully so. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, because that's like uh, there was this video I watched uh, regarding like risk management and like uh, handling like accidents and stuff. Okay. And it was like these two passenger trains collided because one of the uh, conductors, engineers, whatever, didn't apply the brakes because they were on their phone. And oh, someone was like, oh, well, texting's the problem then. But then somebody else is like, well, what if they weren't on their phone? What if they like sneezed and looked away? What if they had a fucking heart attack? The outcome still would have been the same. So it's not necessarily the individual mistake that got that thing, got that fulfilled the potential for the accident to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Just, there's a point where apparently you're only one step away from failure and anything is enough to push you over the edge. So it's like, you need to rework the system instead of getting rid of the one thing that fucked it up this time, because there's going to be something else entirely different that fucks it up again mm -hmm. in the future. And you fix the wrong part of it. Mm -hmm. So that's like the idea with the police. It's like, yeah, if anybody else would have fucking done the same thing, you'd have a problem. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, we, you know, people, I shouldn't say we, because, you know, at one point in time, we may have been mass manipulated, you know, at some point in time in our lives by somebody, but like, no, no literally doubt. the mm -hmm. media and, and the, the way to do it. have mass manipulated the entire population. Yep. Like, yeah. I honestly don't know every day how much of what I interact with is just like targeted advertising it, for it, consumerism. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's absolutely, like, crazy that these people will watch a, a grown-ass man beat a child and be like, you didn't get the other side of the story. So yeah. it's important for, you know, us and people like that to remember, mm -hmm. judge actions, not intentions, and never try to mind read or second guess why somebody is doing something, especially when they're doing something hurtful. There's no way for you to really know, and in the end, it's irrelevant. Getting caught up in what might be going on in an aggressor's mind is a good way to get sidetracked from the really pertinent issue. Judge it's literally staying present. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to venture into their head is you venturing out of your head. Right. Just ah! itself. <laughs> if what a person does is harmful in some way, pay attention to that and deal with that issue. The importance of this principle cannot be overstated. Remember, the tactics of covert aggressives are you they use are effective tools of impression management they keep you second guessing yourself about the true nature of the person you're dealing with so i mean they're always managing your impression of them and that's what cops and politicians and you know people like that do and he said that in society you know they're they're passing more and more laws because in his opinion people are more character disturbed mm -hmm. and there's not enough people who actually just govern their own self behavior and we're losing more and more freedom because of the type of people that you know he describes as character disturbed 
And, you know, these politicians pass all these laws and, you know, good people want to naturally do the right thing, right? Like people just kind of do their own thing and, you know, mm-hmm. try, to, oh, man. try to do the best that you can, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think everyone yeah. tries to do that. You know, but and if you can get a bunch of people to follow the law, there's so much more space opened up for character. What's the character? What character was it? Disturbance. Character disturbed people, and it's like the more they can limit people that like want to do what's right, but can get that conflated with the law, then it's like they're constantly freeing up more space. What what happens when they have an entire nation of sociopaths or fucking character? Yeah. Like like what, what what are they going to do then? You right. know like. That's, They're all going to fucking cancel each other, too. Like In this book, he said, like, so, you need a balance, basically. Oh, man. And, but if we've been raised by those people, it's like, we're just, it's not even, like, mm-hmm. not, it's literally how much can you limit the process? How much can you drag your feet to avoid becoming more like them? Because at the end of the day, like, over time, you will be less like them, which means, so it's like the spectrum, you know? Oh, shit. There's only so many people like us to to prop up the exist because those types of people don't want to do the work of embracing tradition, basically, for right. lack of a better that ah I do like a lot of like old timey shit, but it's like it's not necessarily old in general. It's just old to me, but it's like fascinating, and there is a lot more work that has to go into it, and it's mm-hmm. literally like the technology aspect of everything. Like I mean, if you read fucking industrial society and it's whatever the fuck Kaczynski wrote I can't remember but like yeah he was exactly right and then there's a book that I just picked up literally like an hour ago or so before this episode and it was about this guy that spent like 20 years of his life in some of the cruelest prisons in the United States and it's like you have to find a way to be strong and it's like you don't have a gym you don't have any of that shit and it's like people have been able like and it's like we've been accustomed to believe that like bodybuilders are like the epitome of physical fitness Mm -hmm. but it's like they only that shit only works when the situation is catered to them and it's like they can't do any body weight shit like they can't do one-arm pull-ups they can't fucking do one arm push it like and it's like i can't do those things either right now but i'm not going to get to doing that by going and lifting weights the way that they lift weights and it's like there are ways that you can do that though and you can maximize the potential of your own body and then you can carry that with you into other stuff but it's like if you're constantly working outside yourself you're not making yourself stronger that's true so it's like all the same sh- and it's like a really good way to do that is to be able to work and it's like more modern shit it's like it's just a rework of something that's already there Mm. and it's like this is marketed to save you time but it's like the time you save by using that new thing is either spent now maintaining that new thing Mm -hmm. or like working for somebody else like at a corporation or some shit oh my fucking god do it like at the end of the day there is no workaround you just have to do it yeah because it's like you take a shortcut and you end up having to spend the same amount of time doing something anyway Mm -hmm. so it's like why would i go out of my way to fuck someone over to get ahead when like that's literally what goes around comes around if you want to think of it as karma like somehow it will come back to fuck you over and it's like if you start doing more positive shit or like try to like lift up others i guess and it's like it might not work the same way for you but if you like can say like hey this works for me maybe it'll help a little bit um it's like generally it's like you start moving in a more positive direction 
And even when you do fuck up at that point, at least you're like off the rails in positive territory still. Yeah. It's like you could fall farther and still not be nearly as far or even into like that negative area like before. So it's like the more positive changes you start making every day, the farther and farther you stray away. But then I think so many people get caught up in like the fear of ever going back to that negativity that it's like the bigger you are, the harder you fall kind of a thing. And it's Mm -hmm. like the stakes do feel higher. And it's like, oh, if I fuck up, if I'm one step away from failure and end up right back where I was, like, what can I do to change that? And, oh, wow. And I think that's like what I've I've said it a lot to other people about, like, that's what makes people successful. It's what keeps them successful because it's Mm -hmm. like to them, they don't see any other option. And like, it's sometimes it's like existential dready, but then you have to like learn to like relax and be like, all right, like. I'm still, I can coast a little bit. I can take a little break, but it's like, I can't sit here forever. Otherwise, eventually I'll like regress. Yeah. But it's like, if I also don't give myself any breaks, I'm just going to hurt myself and then end up back where I was anyway. So it's like, you have to fucking yeah. chill out and balance it. And it's like, it can be a day by day thing, but it's like, even then, if you have the balance slightly off in one direction, one day it's, and don't notice it over a long enough time, you're still going to have to make some big fucking changes again yeah but also it's like that's why people take like week-long vacations and shit too because it's like yeah fuck it i need more than a weekend to get away from this shit yeah yeah it's very true and then there's vacations where i'm like i need a vacation for my vacation oh, shit. <laughs> this <laughs> is too hard i made it too hard on myself depends but... on who you go on vacation with or what you're doing i guess i know oh, exactly like, mm-hmm. like my idea of vacation is like sitting in a fucking hot tub smoking a joint and fucking eating a bag of doritos yeah. Just being out in nature, whether it's the beach, whether it's the forest or mountains or anything. It's like, for me, it is always being outside in some capacity Mm. or like going and seeing buildings that at least look different. So it's like even being inside of something else, somewhere else still is foreign enough to me that it might as well be outside. That's fair. fair. I, um, I wanted to ask Chris if he, uh, delved into this a little bit more. I want to change gears a little bit here. This is an interesting topic. So he found this article, which will be in the show notes, uh, from BitcoinMagazine.com. Oh shit! Oh, this is a beautiful one. Now, Chris, I remember reading one, dude. (laughs) Uh, Remember when uh, Chief Warren, uh, chief of the bullshit tribe out of uh, Massachusetts, said that um, that Bitcoin and crypto in general was an environmental. A hazard and an issue mm-hmm. well what did this piece discover here um i <laughs> this is great <laughs> i mean i'm really i'm really excited so uh, roll the footage is it like no 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 oh, okay. i mean i mean i can we can we can screen share it but uh let me uh let me send this on over to angel here but you guys are going to really enjoy this so remember when we were told that oh you know that you know you guys are you know all these emissions from mining crypto, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, you know, it's destroying the environment. Well, remember when we brought up the whole situation with the fucking military-industrial complex and how much how much damage the dollar mm-hmm. could do and all this other stuff? <laughs> well, at the time of the writing of this article, one, once again, it's BitcoinMagazine.com, Bitcoin versus World Military Emissions. The Cambridge, the Cambridge University Center and RE Center, Center for Alternative Finance, estimates Bitcoin's energy to be 97.9 terawatt hours with total emissions of 44.1 million tons of carbon dioxide. 
and carbon dioxide equivalents, a measly approximate 0.09% of the world's 50,000, um, what is it, uh, MTCO2 emissions, over, and over 55 to 65 times less than the military-industrial complex. So, Chief Warren... If you're listening, and I know you do, because I, I I know that you know I got to you the other day, because you know I asked you, Chief Warren, I addressed you properly, because you're that of your tribe, you know, if she cared to comment about this, this is an unmitigated pile of flaming horseshit. <laughs> ever be a, a a correlation between the carbon footprint of Bitcoin mining versus the military industrial complex of the planet is beyond my understanding, and once again. But the, if people will believe it. The gullibility of the of the fucking voter and the average consumer of this cockamamie farce is beyond my understanding. It, I am I am literally disgusted. Yes, Angel, what is it? I don't understand. <laughs> I know you guys are probably going to be like, well, that's because it doesn't make sense. But this title of this article literally does not make any fucking sense to me. I would never even click on it. Bitcoin emits less than 2% of the world's military-industrial complex carbon emissions. How? It doesn't grab the attention. Unless you were... It's, a, it's, a, it's like esoteric. It's like it wouldn't grab your attention unless you already were kind of in a place where you'd find that interesting. I just... I'm like... I, I look at that and I'm like, what it's the... bait. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm. It's bait for a specific demographic, though, because it's like how many people are going to skip over this? But Chris... You got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it just, it's one of those things because I just, it's the whole argument against Bitcoin and how much energy it consumes is just such horseshit. It really is. It's just a big steaming pile of horseshit. Like, yes, well, it's like it's the- an energy intensive process, but like compared to the to the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, and the military and in, in, like the our our world's financial system. And the military industrial complex are so intertwined that they're almost one and the same. Absolutely. One, one can't exist without the other. Right. Yep. And, and that's most of the world conflict has to do with some sort of financial tie in, you know, like that's why like that. The reason like the reason why we went into Iraq is because they threaten to stop using the petrodollar. <laughs> How about I that? Mean, if you look at, the, you know, like- and. Just, I'm sorry, Chris, I'll let you, I just want to say, if you look at these four, like, uh, scholarly articles or whatever these, wherever these pieces are from, it all just sounds like a bunch of fucking garbage. That's all I have to say. Continue on, Chris. No, these are like peer reviewed, like, this is what academic fucking shit looks like. And everybody thinks that's boring and elitist or, yeah, even if people don't think it's boring, they'll find a way to be like, oh yeah, being smart is elitist and it's a privileged position. So why are you, why are you going to accrue all this knowledge and then like make other people look dumb? And it's like, oh, fuck, dude, you got me feeling like shit for being smart now. They got a fucking tool for everything. Yeah, but Bitcoin's (laughs) been out for a while now. And the fact that these scholarly articles have only been written in the past, like, three years. Well, they probably had to analyze a lot of data. And that's all I have to say about it. Well, I mean, we'd have to look at each and every one of them and and see what the scope is. That's the The scope. How how long, how many years. Who's got the time? Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was saying those articles aren't like anti-Bitcoin either. Like they're studying like the carbon footprint of the military-industrial complex. So, yeah. 
um, which is great because you have to like take in so much into consideration just on, on top of the, the economic damage and, and economic warfare that gets waged worldwide. You have to take into consideration the actual warfare, the actual bombs, uh, the production uh, of, you know, military industrial complex, uh, yeah. you know, weapons of war, Taking uh, drone warfare. Yeah. Yep. The confiscation of resources, the the gutting of, of, you know, other countries of their, you know, putting in puppet regimes and just the casualties, you know, the the collateral damage, if you will, uh, that's Even caused by all yep. of it. Right, right, and just, and think just of like behind that, right, just right. fuel and feed and house and give electricity and climate control to a hundred and some like bases in a hundred and some different countries alone. Okay, Let alone the dropping of munitions, the usage of munitions, right? Also, question with more like uh, I guess like a humanitarian aspect to it, and like go back, so like. Obviously, there's, like, biological weapons that have been used, and it's, like, everybody's, like, oh, like, nobody knew shit about this. But it's, like, if you go – think back to, like, World War II. It's, like, you don't think the people that were, like, shipping in metric fuck tons of Zyklon B were, like, how – like, what the hell are they using this for? Like, how could they – what? because what was it? Like, a was it for – was it a pesticide or something? They're like, oh, what could they possibly be? There's no, there's not enough agricultural land to be using this much in these places. And it's like the closer you get to the actual application of whatever raw material they're shipping in, it's like more and more people are going to be like, oh, like there's only a few things they could probably use this for after this stop right here. And I believe the tragedy behind that was Zyklon B was the one that was, uh, the, I think one of them had an odor and one of them didn't. To let you know that, like, kind of like giving natural gas and odor mm-hmm. to make sure that you I could identify recognize if you were being exposed or what have you. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it, it's you know because then how many people actually know about this shit? And it's like, well, if, how many people can do anything about it or are just choosing not to? Or here's the thing. Well, I'm going to go back to Alex Jones. Okay. Alex Jones said specifically, you know, you're over the target when you're getting flack. When you're getting hard, (laughs) this is a lot of flack, which means that, guess what? This is a problem for them. It's a lot of gaslighting, too. A lot of gaslighting. And um, there was another article that Christopher brought to uh, our attention was I had no idea that there was a massive amount of Bitcoin mining being done in China. And those people are getting 65% of the world's Bitcoin mining is done in China. I Can believe. you fucking believe that? And they're running them out. Yeah. They're coming to yeah. Texas instead. Yeah, yeah. We'll take them. I, fuck yeah. Come on over. Yeah, I don't give a right. shit. Yeah, right. fine. Yeah, it says uh, the government in May, the government of communist China called for a severe crackdown on Bitcoin mining and trading, setting off what's being dubbed in crypto circles as the great mining migration. This exodus is underway now. It could be a game changer for Texas. Mining is the energy-intensive process that uh, both creates new coins and maintains a log of all transactions of existing digital tokens. Despite a lack of reserves that caused day-long blackouts, last winter Texas often has some of the world's lowest energy prices, and its share of renewables is growing over time, with 20% of its power coming from wind as of 2019. It has a deregulated power grid that lets customers choose between power providers, and crucially, its political leaders are very pro-crypto. 
dream conditions for a miner looking for a kind welcome and cheap energy resource. Yeah, it's going to be like Bitcoin Silicon Valley. Dude, this is a good I thing. Mean, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's already been happening with so many people that like left California and like right. migrated to Texas. Mm -hmm. It's just, like I kind of feel like on, on one hand, that's cool. But on the other hand, I kind of feel bad for like the people in Texas. Yeah. I hope all these people don't bring their shitty politics but they're that gonna. destroyed California. And you absolutely know they're going to. Because, oh, look, I, I they know. They went to I that know. area. The California gold rush. People went to that area, built it up. And I'm sure, like, I don't know how many people were out there. I mean, they might have just been natives. But it's like they probably weren't too happy about what they did to their – it's literally just colonization. But it happens within the borders of a country or a state, so it's like not as noticeable because the people that come and invade look and sound pretty much like you. But it's like they're gonna come in, they're gonna fucking build up all the cities, they're gonna like they're gonna have to make more room for these people. It's gonna demand more energy. Cost of living is going to go up. Shit's gonna get gentrified. People that have been there forever are going to get pushed out because they're not providing. Um, as lucrative a service as these new people that are coming in and can right. pay more money to live there. So they're going to get fucking kicked to the curb because that's like the thing that's they're losing money. If they don't, and from a business standpoint, they can't fucking justify that to a board of people. So that's literally just, it keeps on happening and happening and happening with like every big boom in industry, I guess would be. Yeah. I, I, I think that those are all fair points and yes, they're going to import their shitty culture. There's shitty, and maybe on the on the inverse, perhaps they'll get a taste of a little bit more liberty in the context, of course, in the scope of the United States, right? It goes both ways. Yeah. So, so it will have like a, it'll draw it a certain direction, but they're still mm -hmm. moving up. Like I said, I, I, I was appalled. I was talking to a relative of mine in New Jersey about, like he, uh, we talked about um, 10 round magazines. I, do you know, I have a friend of mine who works for a rather large gun shop in the area. They can't fucking find 10-round magazines to save their lives. Because here, nobody orders 10-round fucking magazines. There's 17. Or the 32-rounders, right? For the Glocks. You know what I'm talking about? The fucking... Oh, you're talking... Okay, you're talking like... Yeah, I'm talking about for Glocks. Mm -hmm. The 10-round mags are unfucking heard of here because it's not part of the culture to limit magazine right. capacity anymore. It's the like, more... Who, the who's going to willingly fucking buy a magazine that holds less ammo? Right. I mean, but uh, once again, it's that culture. Like, it's so e it's so interesting to see mm -hmm. people behind the Iron Curtain. And that's what I'm going to I mean, that's a phrase that I'm going to stick to with this with uh, this lack of liberty. I don't know how they allowed it to happen. Well, I mean, I guess I do. But in a way, I just don't know how slowly and then all at once. Yeah, slowly and then suddenly. But um, yeah, this is some interesting stuff with the development of Bitcoin stuff. And I'm glad that uh, this uh, author put all of that information together. There's a lot of excellent visuals that are in the article uh, from Bitcoin Magazine that Christopher found. It's an excellent resource. It's going to be in the show notes. I highly recommend people check it out. Uh, I do want to move to something that affects all of us being radicals and those of you that listen, including our FBI informant, I'm sure, who is downloading shows from Virginia. You should try to move to Maryland and try to, you know, spread it out to make me think that, you know, I know what you guys are doing. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea what's happening. There's a big announcement. We don't have one. Um, this, <laughs> this is uh, from the Post Millennial. Now, before you cringe at the title of that web page i don't know why somebody would pick this as being a great um address the post millennial okay you're inflammatory i i, I yeah like my bowels um 
So this is a good article. Pay attention, kids. So this is really going to get to you. I mean, it's um, it's really surprising that this is going to get this far. So in order to counter domestic terrorism, the Biden administration, and mind you, the president of the United States has dementia, is proposing that Americans inform on family, friends, and coworkers who are, quote, perceived to be radicalizing and potentially radicalizing towards violence, end quote. So this year, at your Independence Day cookout, at your Labor Day cookout, when you have a gathering for uh, Thanksgiving, which usually is when the fire really gets thrown around because you've been bibing certain substances and massive amounts of turkey and gravy. You're feeling a little belligerent. You're getting upset, and you're letting people really know how you feel. This is the time. Okay, so according now, <laughs> the fact that Americans are willing to rat on each other, that really bothers me. But according to Tuesday's press briefing, a senior Biden administration official discussed via teleconference the national strategy to combat terrorism in the United States ahead of the effort to release the ahead of efforts released to the public. The Department of Defense is incorporating training for service members separating or retiring from the military who may quote potentially be targeted by those who seek to radicalize them. How many people in our community do we know that are ex-military who are like, this is fucked mm -hmm. and we hate it and we don't want to be a part of it ever again? Okay, <laughs> I ca I'll carry on. The administration will also, quote, work to improve public awareness of federal resources to address concerning or threatening behavior before violence occurs. So this is pre-crime. Officials said, noting that one of the proposals the White House has been discussing is the, quote, need to do something in this space. If you, see, say, if you see something, say something concept has been promulgated before by the Department of Homeland Security, the official continued. The national campaign raises public awareness of the indicators of terrorism and terrorism-related crime, as well as the importance of reporting suspicious activity to state and local law enforcement, the De Homeland Security Department described online. The senior Biden official characterized the practice as creating contexts in which those who are family members or friends or coworkers know that there are pathways and avenues to raise concerns and seek help for those who have been perceived to be radicalizing and potentially radicalizing towards violence. Mm -hmm. With, while the phrase, quote, potentially employed by the Biden administration implies that certain legal political speech has the potential to incite mm -hmm. violence, the White House has also mentioned increased information sharing between big tech platforms to help combat the purported potential for radicalization. Any, any particular tech company often knows its platform very well, the official said, pivoting to emphasize that government officials see the relationship between online recruitment, radicalization, and violence in the physical world. Now. And they have the monopoly on violence. So, uh... How? I'm not advocating for violence. I hope that David Chipman dies in a car fire, but yeah. I, I'm not going to set it. I'm not going to set it up. I just hope it happens spontaneously like he's right. at I, I, I also hope that while he's getting into this car accident that before he dies that like a random severed penis gets lodged in his throat before he dies that i know it's like really random i just it could like, even that's be just, his own you know in minecraft of course always <laughs> in certainly, minecraft certainly always yeah minecraft. i mean yeah of course but <laughs> what is the definition of radicalization because we are self-described radicals. Anything of, they don't like. There we go. Anything that doesn't like. And it changes every day. Yeah, anything I, that goes against the status quo. The idea, first of all, here's the here's the best part about radicalization. I did my uh, my thesis, my graduate thesis on uh, radicalization, and I talked about Professor Ariel uh, Kruglansky, who talked about the three uh, N model, which is needs, 
networks and the narrative. Okay. Now here's the thing. What, what have they done over time? Remember during Charlottesville, they were openly talking on Twitter about going to this rally and stirring shit up and fighting Antifa. And then of course those idiots and the Tiki torches, those fucking Jew hating assholes showed up, right? You had all of this stuff go down and everybody knew about it. So everybody could go down there if they wanted to and either observe or counter protest or whatever. Then after avoid the, it if they didn't or avoid it, that's another option. But here's the thing. Once you deep platform these groups or these individuals, I believe Richard Spencer still has a Twitter account and he's an open national socialist, not even joking. But I digress. Once here's the thing. The need for significance. So these people are feeling like okay, they're radical they're radicalizing because they feel like they're going to make a difference or they need to make an impact or maybe not not a lot is going on in their lives. Okay. Great. Whatever. That's fine. That's, we're going to play with that model for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Once you validate, like the narrative for a lot of these people are see, like, see, they don't want it. They don't want people to know the truth. That's why they won't let you talk about it on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook or whatever the fuck it is that you're using, right? Right. So then you're forced into the margins of this electronic uh, community or world, which a lot of times ends up being going to 4chan or most likely 8chan, right? To the places that the corners that can't be touched, right? Where nobody. You're forcing them into these dark corners, and that's validating the narrative that's fed to them, right? See? They're coming after you because they don't Mm -hmm. want people to know the truth. So in a way, the effort of the state with big tech is creating the conditions being met to further radicalize individuals who could already be fucking lock up. Well, yeah. I mean, they need the next war to fight. Why not fight? Then they get a bigger budget, more cool toys. There you go. It's there all oh, it's all just fucking uh God damn it. It's all just like improvement of capitalism, basically. Well no, like, it's Hegelian it's the it's the Hegelian dialectic, it's uh problem reaction solution. They create the problem, they present the solution to the problem that they created, right? And yeah. they fix the problem, right? But, yeah, and then it's like fuck, then they need they need all the money. And then they get the money from selling you shit. Yeah. They find every way they can to sell you shit. No matter what community you're in, they find all these uh, ways to target targeted advertising. And yeah. Then... Yeah. It's and this is this is a very dangerous thing, and I'm very actually quite concerned about it because when you openly say that you've been that you're a radical, that you that, that word has power, and it also lumps those of us who openly identify as being radicals because we have radical ideas on liberty and individualism and uh, the, uh, the lack of necessity of a central authority or a state, right? We, th- those are radical ideas. Those but it's are like radical- those are the least radical things in existence at the I agree same with time. You, like, but and that's the irony of all of it. But it's a radical threat to the establishment of the state. And they're in control of the narrative, so it's radical. Correct. Um, Speaking of things that, so we're walking down memory lane today. Um, for those of you that were too young to remember, I know that Angel remembers this, and I definitely know Christopher remembers this because we. Are you uh, saying I'm old? Um, no, I'm yeah. saying that you're okay. Well, Chris is. I'm not. I'm very old. I'm just messing with. I'm you. very I'm old. Kidding. Sorry, I'm boss. Kidding. Um, you're the youngest member on the show. Um, no, that's Brian. I uh, I remember Christopher and I working together. I think at this time uh, in 2008. When the housing bubble uh, popped and everything went tits up. Well, here we go. So I know for a fact that Angel has kind of been in the house hunt for a little bit. Okay. 
And I know that she's had some very negative experiences to where she's gone to open houses. And by the time she's done looking inside the fridge in the kitchen, she's been told that she has to make an offer on the house now. Now, there's no sitting down. There's no discussing it with family or looking at other homes. Making sure you're not getting fucked over. Looking at the rest of the house. Yeah, perhaps checking the toilet. You know, maybe it is one of those low flush ones where the. Never mind. I don't want to get into toilet talk because then people get upset with me. And (laughs) it reinforces impulsivity, though. It's like no (laughs) SP. Yeah, but. Here's the thing. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to think. Like, mm-hmm. Right. And if anybody, like, it's happened to me. I went to a house uh, and, and checked it out, and it was weird because they had the urn of a deceased person on display with, like, and I guess that's cool for them. I just didn't. Did they die think, in the house? You get a deal? I, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Beverage, yeah. baby. Come on. That's you got to work point. it in there. I didn't think I was about say, that. Is this house a scratch and dent discount? <laughs> scratch and dent. Open box? Open box. No, dude, it was really weird. You walked in there, but like we were looking at, I, I, my wife and I were looking at this place, and this woman, there was another couple that came in, and this realtor, whom I, I'm not a big fan of because I don't like pushy salespeople at all. I'll let you know when I'm ready to buy. And yeah. until then, you can stand in the fucking corner. If I have a question for you, you can come and answer. But you're not going to, I'm like, I'm not going to get bullied into spending $200,000 on the spot. But they're missing out on money every, t- every second they spend not making a sale. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is true, but it's my money, and I'm in yeah, No, exactly. You were, you were both just doing your job. Right. So One has to be better than the other. While, while, we, while I was not even done cracking a joke about the urn in the living room, she was like, oh, the, the, the couple that's, uh, that came in after us, um, they're going to be making an offer. So housing in my tiny little town is 30% and up of a, a marked up to where homes with a quarter of an acre lot – that 10 years ago would have went for maybe 150, 155. We're now looking in the low twos. And then if two people, two couples or whoever are willing to purchase this, they be, they bid up. So where you could be spending a quarter of a million dollars on a home built in 1924 on a quarter acre of property. And this is with zero renovations. Yeah, it needs zero updates. Like, no right. air conditioning. Lumber costs a shit ton now. Like. Oh, oh, are we tying this to inflation? Is that where this is going? Well, here's the thing. So for those now, this has the potential to make an anarcho-communist out of just about anybody, <laughs> or at least very angry at minimum. So this is from uh, Faux News, and they get it right sometimes. Uh, BlackRock, other investment firms killing the dream of home ownership, journalists say. The New, York, uh, the New York City risk and investment management titan BlackRock is among several high-powered firms pushing working families out of the housing market and into rentals, therefore depriving them of capital and the opportunity to build credit and equity. According to Wall Street Journal reporter BlackRock, led by billionaire Lawrence Fink, what a name, Lawrence Fink, Uh, is purchasing entire neighborhoods and converting single-family homes into rentals, while in cities like Houston, investors like Fink account for one-quarter of the home purchasers. On on Fucker Carlson Tonight, Chronicles Chronicles journalist and associate editor Pedro Gonzalez said that BlackRock's actions are leading 40% of American renters to believe they will never be able to purchase a home. Defeatism. Home ownership gives people a stake in society. It's a way to build generational wealth. It's the foundation of the middle class and part of the American dream, he said. Meanwhile, permanent capital like that from firms like Fink's are killing the dream and giving us a nightmare of dispossession. 
the uh, impetus for firms to mass purchase housing is to underwrite pensions and pad their books by spiking housing prices. But Gonzalez warned that these reckless actions will only accelerate the next housing bubble to burst as it did a decade ago. The same institutions also promote progressive political policies like environmental policies that also raise the, the price of housing. And they push for more immigration like J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Gonzalez reported, I'm not really worried about the immigration thing. I think that that's just, this is Fox News. So they got to play to the base. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. got to be able to pick the, 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 the good stuff out of the shit sandwich. And there's two pieces of bread involved. This is a serious fucking problem. And we're going to go, we dovetail right into this. This is from Bloomberg. Now, if Bloomberg is reporting on this, everybody should fucking listen, okay? Not because that they're the soothsayers, or the, you know, the, but they're telling you right now that we're, we have a problem on our hands. And we just talked before the show, what's, what's gonna, when's the moratorium coming up on fucking uh, all the payments that nobody's made in over a year on either their mortgages or their fucking rent? We have a, a, an astronomic problem coming our way in a couple of months. And Bloomberg is talking about it. This is by Enda Karan, uh, C-U-R-R-A-N. This will be in the show notes. Uh, this is from the 15th. Real estate prices around the world are flashing the kind of bubble warnings that haven't been seen since the run-up to the 2008 financial crisis, according to Bloomberg Economics. Countries like New Zealand, Canada, and Sweden rank as the world's frothiest, that's a great word, frothiest mm. housing markets based on the key indicators used in Bloomberg Economics dashboard. The U.K. and the U.S. are also near the top of risk rankings. A cocktail of ingredients is sending housing prices to unprecedented levels worldwide, economist Niraj Shah wrote in the report. Record low interest rates, unparalleled fiscal stimulus, lockdown savings ready to be used as deposits, limited housing stock, and expectations of a robust recovery in the global economy are, contri- are all contributing. The, an- the analysis fa- focused on member countries of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, stay-at-home workers in need of more space and tax incentives offered by some governments to home buyers are also stoking demand, according to this research. Bloomberg Economics dashboard compiles five indicators to estimate a country's bubble rank with a higher reading indicating a greater risk of a a correction. Among the indicators, price-to-rent and price-to-income ratios help assess the sustainability of price gains. House price growth measurement measures current momentum. For many countries in the OECD, the price ratios are higher than they were ahead of the 2008 financial crisis, according to Bloomberg, Bloomberg Economics. Even at risk, even as risk metrics rise, with the interest rates still low, lending standards generally higher than in the past, and macro prudential policies in place, the trigger for a crash isn't obvious, according to the analysis. Shaw said the period ahead will more likely be characterized by cooling rather than collapsing. Bloomberg terminal readers can access the full report here. Global Insight property bubble uh, gauges flash 2008 level alert. So. Guys, gals, everybody, mm-hmm. get ready because the bill is due and it's coming. And, you know, I'm not trying to knock on Peter Schiff. Uh, you know, Tim Dillon does a great job of that where he's like, oh, it, it's the next, it, the crash is coming. The world's coming to an end. I'm not trying to be a fucking Jehovah Witness about it. We're not going to get the date wrong. I'm just telling you that the signs are there. And if they're reporting on it, they're trying to prime you to make sure that you know, like, hey, we tried to tell you, you know, we tried to tell you that this wasn't looking good. If we are at higher levels than 2008, we have a serious fucking problem on our hands. 
like serious. And the fact, and I guarantee you all of that money that BlackRock is using to purchase up blocks of homes mm-hmm. is subsidized in a way by your taxpayer money. Because guess what? When they get full, when they go fucking tits up and if they go bankrupt, guess who's going to pay for it? You. All of us. Right. All of us. We're, we're going to be extorted to finance this fucking farce in the housing market. It is unbelievable what's happening here. It's unbelievable. And lumber prices, can somebody explain to me why they're that fucking high? Because you know what? I laugh every time I see a truck with a bunch of fucking lumber going to Lowe's because I'm like, you know, if, if we were pirates, I would just pull that fucker over, take the truck and sell it on. I mean, I mean, seriously, we've we've graduated. We've gone from fucking rum and sugar in, in, in Bermuda to now we're fucking taking over a, a lumber fucking truck. Raw materials. <laughs> something is valuable only so far as it is useful. And the more useful something is to you, the more valuable it is. Well, I can tell you a little bit about why lumber prices are on the rise. Oh, that's right. You work in the industry. Go ahead. So, basically, it comes down to people were building homes at a, you know, exponential rate. They mm-hmm. were building homes, and then the COVID happened, so then, like, production of these materials slowed down. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it cause prices to rise across the board in every single um building product manufacturing you know supply chain there has been disruptions um you know in particular for like the spray polyurethane foam that goes into your houses there is a shortage on spray foam like they literally can't get spray foam to do jobs like, I mean, it's starting to get better, but for a long time, like, people are like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get lumber to build this home? Mm-hmm. And then, it, like, it's like, I forget how much it costs extra now for to build your home with a lumber price increase. Um, but it's like, I, I, I'm probably saying it wrong, but I want to say it's like an extra, like, Thirty to fifty thousand dollars on top of every single home. I'm gonna say I've read it's like adding an additional like thirty six thousand dollars to the cost of building a new home. So you're wow. you're in the right ballpark. And wow. Yeah, and so, um, as a result of that, you know, some people are you know deciding maybe not to build homes, or it's causing everything else to go up in cost um, as well. And then you know. People are buying up already, you know, built homes. That's why the housing market is kind of going haywire as well. So it's like a domino effect. That's what's happening. Okay, so if we couple that with the uh, potential disaster that we have on our hands with the moratorium coming to an end, and then people not getting unemployment benefits anymore, Mm -hmm. this is almost like a perfect storm situation. I mean, it's, I mean, and, and, you know, I I mean, I think I'm going to be okay. I hope all of you are going to be okay. But if, um, if, if you haven't been paying your rent or your mortgage in a year, you're in trouble, you're fucked. Like there's no making up ground for that. Like you are fucked. They're not going to take an extra 20 bucks a month. And that's all the government did with all this bullshit. That's all they ever do is just kick the can down the road. That's right. Like, instead of solving the problem or finding, like, a, a way to solve the problem, they just, nah, just kick the can down the road. Yep. Turn on the money printers, boys. Brr. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right, man. And 
I don't know if uh, I, I feel bad for those people who are about to get fucked really hard, but I, at the same time, it's not your fault per se, but when the state prevented you from engaging in commerce to work and therefore pay your bills, maybe your credit wasn't really that good, so you had to rent. Or There's a plenty of people who love to rent because they're not tied down. They can fucking leave when the lease is up. They're not invested. They don't have to get a fucking realtor. There's a lot of different reasons why people rent, and that's fine. That's why there should be a market for people to choose mm-hmm. if they want to buy or if they want to rent. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with any of it, okay? Right. The problem is... When you were deprived of earning a living and then told, listen, you don't have to pay your bills now, but you're going to pay all of it in a year. Yeah, sure. The distant elephant thing that comes from, you know, from, okay, well, that's a problem that's very far away. I'm not going to worry about that. Well, we're here now. We're here now. And it's going to be a problem for lots of people. Here's a $600 check. Go get some methamphetamines and forget about your problems. Yeah. <laughs> listen here, Jack. How do I open yeah. PDF? Yeah, I love that one. It's my favorite. It's my oh, absolute man. favorite. So um, I hate to end on a glum note. Uh, don't worry. We have uh, we still have a commercial to give for our uh, our first uh, second sponsor. Excuse me. So don't worry. The fun stuff is coming. But if anybody else has anything, I'd like to open up to, uh, to everybody before we close out the show today. I just wanted to apologize for to Chris earlier because I think I kind of like ruined the article. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Like I'm like he didn't get to talk. I interrupted him and he never got to talk. So I'm sorry, Chris. Thanks, asshole. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's okay. That's all I have. Okay. Well, you know, Angel, thanks for being so honest. I was taking my responsibility oh, for well, that's... The, the actions that occurred. Yeah. Take your fucking lumps and sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, does anybody have any ba- big announcements here? Chris, what's going on with your band, man? Are we going to be able to see some shows maybe this summer or? Uh, for sure. Definitely. We, awesome. uh, real soon here. Like I said, we still don't have anything solid, but we're, we're, we've got our, our new drummer ready. So we're, it's just a matter of us booking a show. So, um, and awesome. that'll come soon and it'll probably be more than likely at the same locale. Excellent. That, that's a straight shot for all of us. Not right? Yeah, I was going to say, it'll more than likely be the same locale. So, uh, uh, and I'll definitely let you guys know as soon as we got it booked. But for sure, within the coming weeks, we'll have something booked. Like, it's we're, we're, on, we're on the cusp. We, we've we missed a few practices here and there because we've all had stuff going on in our lives. But uh, Understood. Uh, okay. our, yeah, our drummer's been investing in some new gear. Um, awesome. We, we were... We're, we want to record our record before year's end or at least get started on it. Um, and we were going to, like, go pay to go to a studio, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to wind up DIYing it. It's just a matter of getting a few pieces of equipment ourselves. Because um, okay. it just, like, even at, like, some of the cheaper places, it, still, it just costs too goddamn much. Oh, yeah. Like, and like, nothing, I mean, on the cheaper great. end of the spectrum, it's going to cost us a grand. And if we're going to spend a grand, we might as well spend that on the equipment. So yeah, can, absolutely. Like I've already, I've already got like decent recording software awesome. and, and and a few other you know bits of equipment. It's all about just the only issue that we have is being able to record drums. And uh, my drummer is wanting to get a new uh, kit that has like built-in triggers, so you can just run a, a, a MIDI line into an interface and then record the drums without having to 
individually mic everything up. So awesome. Uh, yeah. So so yeah. Anyway, so that, that that's that's the two things we want to record our record, and we definitely will be playing a show in the coming weeks. Um, so and we're also possibly looking at changing our name of the band. Oh really? Yeah, we've been talking about it for a while. Um, and it kind of makes sense now with like some membership change. Well, a change of one of the members of the band. Uh, so so it makes even more sense now to uh, change the name of the band. Um, so so we're more than likely going to do that, which I'm not going to announce it now. I'll, I'll announce it once we're once we're ready to announce it. So all right, okay. it's gonna be the positive one. Aha! Aha! You're clever. Is a real knee slapper. I was like, should I say it or no? And I'm like, I'm gonna say it. that was good. Okay. Well, I'm super stoked, and there's nothing more punk rock than producing your own record. So I fucking, I can't wait. I can't wait to get back out there, and hopefully, uh. You know, we'll all be together really soon and jamming out. It's going to be great. So I'm, I'm super stoked for it. And, and then once the record gets produced, man, we got to put it up on the website so that people yeah. can uh, get a yeah for sure. Get like, a, and I and I will say just because, just as like like we're we're rather a like our music is apolitical. Mm-hmm. Like there's no politics behind it, which is rare for a punk rock band, anyways these days. Um. I would like to work on writing some more, I don't want to say political, but maybe like more Liberty themed type songs. Sure. Uh, you know, to promote it. Um, and, and that's something in the works, but, but we are, like I said, as of now, like our, our lyrics are more like personal. Um, so it's, it's definitely like apolitical. So there's no, like any, anybody that enjoys the sound of, of a punk rock should be able to, to listen to it without taking any grievance with anything. And if you do kiss my ass, <laughs> that's the only answer. That's the only answer. Um, what about you, Brian? You have anything before we wrap up? Oh man. Um, Brief, no stream of consciousness, Brian. I mean, it's like mostly stream of consciousness stuff. <laughs> all right, then, sh- all right um, then shut the but fuck no, up. <laughs> but well, I'll shorten it. Basically, it's like, yeah, fuck it. Time to uh, time to dig deep. I guess there could be a bunch of shitty stuff coming up, but it's like, mm-hmm. just gotta keep doing what you've been doing. Yep. Yeah. Get better at it. Absolutely. The only way out is through. Exactly. That's a hundred percent true. So. The point of no return. You know, I tried past. using that line when I was trying to get a girl let me put it in her butt, and that didn't that didn't work. <laughs> you you have to say she, she wasn't on board with happen. that. I was like, you know, the only way is through. <laughs> <laughs> and she immediately put on her clothes and left. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. How about that? The only way out is through the front fucking door. By me. <laughs> oh. context. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just guys, gals, I just want everybody to know that swamp crotch season is upon us. Uh, for those of you in the area, you've known about the high humidity that we've been having. Uh, lately, it's been okay. The past couple of days have been not, not too bad, but it's coming back. July is upon us, and you are going to be experiencing some really, really uh, moist conditions in your trousers, perhaps your mm-hmm. underwear, and you know, you're going to smell bad because you're not taking care of yourself. You're using detergent. So we would like for you to check out Todd's Gay Soap from Akron Apothecary. Please check out the soap if you want a clean asshole, clean crotch. 
You want people to put your appendages in their body and vice versa. You want to have a good time. Please, there's only one way to go about this. That while there are some really disgusting gutter punks literally out mm-hmm. there who will engage in all sorts of sexual congress without showering, brushing their teeth, or a, a whole bunch of unmentionable things. This is a family show. We're not going to go there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's a family show. This is anarchist family show. But uh, guys, don't don't waste your time on the other garbage. Get yourself some good gay soap for your ass because it is soap. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, check out uh, Akron Apothecary. The link is in the show notes. Please uh, support a local business. Uh, you want to show this Pride Month and all this other stuff. You want to show how cool you are with the mm-hmm. gay community. Buy some of this gay right. fucking soap and yeah. support Todd and his husband. <laughs> And they're yeah, support three an independent yeah, they business, have not major corporations. That's right. Cold press. There's no additives. It's all natural stuff. Even Brian's proctologist said he had the cleanest asshole in the entire time he'd been mm-hmm. practicing medicine. That is quite a compliment. Please get after it. Get that soap. Wash your asshole, your crotch. Don't just, you know, spritz on a little bit of cologne and get out the door. You need the full meal. You need to use them with the full meal. You need this delicious smelling soap. It's a great flavored blueberry, whatever the fuck mm-hmm. it is. Uh, you can't have raspberry without grandmama's gravy slapping <laughs> on top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Boppy Uh So <laughs> check it out. Check out Todd Soap. Like Chris said, support a, a, lo- a small local business and not a corporate conglomerate. There ain't nothing springy about Irish Spring, but mm. there's a lot of gayness in this soap, and it's good for you. So, gay means happy, and happy means gay. Thank you very much. I don't have anything else to say. I'd like to thank you fuckers for tuning in. Useguysanddaddygmail.com, at useguyspod, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't be afraid to get at us. Send a message. I've been asking you people in the U.K. to get at us. I even forgot what the fucking question is. I have to listen to the show from the last time when I asked you about it. I saw that the queen the other day was trying to cut a cake with a fucking sword, and she couldn't figure that out. Guys, I know that you got, you'd like the monarchy. Maybe, maybe not. This is some wild shit. Do you know what she did? She took the sword, and instead of using the sharp bit, she turned it over. It was like a cavalry scimitar-looking sword and was pushing down on the sharp bit to cut the cake. Like, this is out of control. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We, Dumb inbred bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. I, I think you're wonderful people. I've actually right. been to your country, but um, th- this kind of behavior she might is unacceptable. Ha- like, she might have dementia, though. Yeah, her and Joe Biden. Been hanging out right. with Joe too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's. Like, Listen here, Jack. How do you cut a cake? <laughs> And on that note, we will see you guys later. Bye. Thank you very little. It's a bit difficult, isn't it? <laughs> a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs>